Hello and welcome to the Ark Co podcast. My name is Matthew Yassin, a director in the structured finance team. Hello, I'm Andrew Robinson. I'm CEO of Ark Co. The team here at Ark Co thought we'd put together a podcast to illustrate the thoughts and feelings that are going through the commercial finance world today. What we'd like to achieve is get to understand better some industry figureheads and get to know their journey that they've been on over the last 10 to 15 years. And secondly, we'd like to understand where the industry is going and education of the next generation in the financial services sector. And conclusively, we'd like you to rate, review and subscribe and tell all your colleagues as this will help us spread the message that we want and educate others. And most important of all, please enjoy listening to Andrew and I talk about the financial world. Welcome back to the Ark Co podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm a director in uh, Ark Co Structured Finance. Uh, this is our 2020 version. As we all know, uh, there was a election in late December last year, uh, and a lot has happened since then. I mean, this year may only be a week or two old. Uh, however, we've already got the changes in momentum in the property market. Sentiment seems to be returning. Um, there's a lot of political uncertainty in the Middle East, and uh, people are turning uh, their attention to how this year is going to be and what we're going to do this year. Um, there's a lot of opinion, and I've kindly brought some uh, some guys with me to discuss uh, the year ahead and how things are going to be affected through the uh, result of the election and also the political environment at the moment. I've got the pleasure to be joined by Julian King and Alistair Hargreaves uh, from the ARC team. Guys, do you want to introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about what you do and, and how Good you morning, do it? Good morning and Happy New Year to you all. I'll just say quickly my background um, was uh, I used to work for a developer uh, up in the West Midlands for five or six years um, before coming back into London, predominantly being on the land buying side and development management um, side of the business. I did a small stint in recruiting for national house builders uh, and SME developers uh, before focusing on the financial side, uh, uh, bringing in my experience. Um, and, and that's now where I sit with, with ARC. Currently working with a number of uh, developers uh, in London, out of London, you know, nationally. And through last year, really, I think we saw a number of uh, trends, if you like, starting to um, starting to establish. Um, the beginning of the year was was pretty was pretty straightforward, but we saw started to see a bit of a tightening, I guess, through probably the mid part of the year. And what I mean by that is. Uh, leverage started to change a little bit uh, banks were being slightly more cautious than they had been and uh, pricing had perhaps um, uh, is risk adjusted uh, somewhat fast forward a little bit towards the back end of the year I think again we saw a little bit of tightening whilst we were waiting for some of those political uh, tensions to unravel slightly that, that Matthew just uh, alluded to and then we've come into 2020 with I think an, uh, a huge amount of pent up demand has now been released. Um, plenty of liquidity, lots of great schemes to fund, and it's looking like an incredibly busy one. Thanks, Jules. Uh, great recap of 2019. Alistair, do you want to uh, say hi to the Hi, audience? good morning. Uh, my name is Alistair Hargreaves. I head up the residential team here at Ark Co. Um, so we look after residential, uh, buy to let, and self build mortgages. Uh, my background I've been a mortgage broker um, since 2004. Uh, worked for uh, banks such as RBS and Santander and spent uh, seven years at John Charcoal before, before joining here. Last year was a really odd year. Um, at the start, you'd think it would be very poor 
for borrowing and for, and for mortgages generally because there was so much uncertainty. We had a, a minority government, we had a failing prime minister, we had Brexit that wasn't sorted out. There's a lot of complications. But yet lenders had a lot of money to lend out. Um, there's a lot of cheap money in the system. Uh, every lender we were speaking to was saying their targets had gone up um, and as a consequence, rates were coming down. Um, I remember saying to, to clients at some point in the middle of the year, I can't see rates dropping any further. And of course, rates dropped further. Um, so it, it was a real push from lenders to, to move things forward. From clients' point of view, I think there was some nervousness and worry about the future, especially around about Brexit, especially about a hub, uh, a node of Brexit, which seemed to be looming for quite a long time. Um, despite that, though, people were still doing things. I think people were sick of having to wait for things to happen. It's been three years after a referendum and nothing really moved forward. So I think people were, were thinking about doing stuff. And now um, with the election, with a, a, a strong majority government, um, and you know, a, a pathway towards a Brexit of sorts, um, you know, I fully expect to see a strong year with demand from clients, housing markets starting to show some more, um, more promising movement, especially London and South East, which has been a little bit dead for a couple of years. Um, and with lenders who are fully backing brokers um, with excellent products, better criteria and lots of money to lend. Thanks, Alistair. That's a good, comprehensive view of the regulated market. So, both. Um, we're now into 2020. Uh, you gave us a great recap of 2019, which is now uh, what seems to be a distant memory. Um, how are you both feeling about the outcome of the election and thoughts on Boris's movements in terms of cabinet appointments and proposed policy changes and how that will affect our markets? Julian, a lot of development going on this year. How's that going to be affected by the political clarity that we, we seem to have found? It's a good question, Matthew. Thank you for that. Um, I'll answer it in the way that uh, only uh, uh, based on what I'm seeing. I think there were some frustrations towards the end of last year with with uncertainty and a lack of clarity. I think there is somewhat. Um, I think mm, I, I think there's a, there's more clarity now, having got um, December out the way. There is, uh, I guess I alluded to earlier, there is pent-up demand both with lenders, you know, liquidity is strong, but also with developers and investors alike that, you know, they've, they've come out the blocks roaring in 2020 where they were sort of waiting in maybe towards the back end of 2019. Um, I think there's clarity in the direction we're now going to be going uh, and therefore 2020 is set to be, you know, potentially quite busy, um, sorry, I say potentially, will be very busy. Um, some of the headwinds are probably more to do with some of those ge geopolitical issues, but those are somewhat outside of all of our control. So I think everybody just wants to get on with, uh, get on with their business. They've, they're sort of fed up of uh, sitting on their hands um, and uh, there's, there's a huge amount of appetite out there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been a, happening a lot recently. The money's been pent up in the market. No one knows or no one did know uh, which way it will go. So, Alistair, from, uh, from a consumer point of view, uh, what changes do you foresee in the housing policy this year now that we've got the political clarity? And uh, what do you think that will do to streetwise investors among UK residents and overseas uh, investors? Do you think that will be helpful in the market on the regulator side? Um, I think it really depends about the budget after... Um, after Brexit. There was nothing really in the Queen's speech or the Conservative manifesto about housing. Um, so hopefully there's something um, 
big can be announced to, to help things through. The other thing that might happen immediately is the, the end of the Affordable Homes Initiative, which has been around for, it for three or four years now, but hasn't actually delivered a single house. Um, so I think that'll probably, that'll probably go and hopefully replace with something um, more proactive. I think also what might happen is that we will see a, a flight of capital, flight of money out, out of the capital to the regions. You look at, I don't want to get too political here, but you look at the new voters, the new constituencies that the Tories have, um, Boris has to work really hard to keep them. Um, I think investing money in the North, the Midlands, in Wales is going to be a, a big part of that. And therefore, we might see an injection in infrastructure and housing in, in those areas. Are you seeing a trend in, uh, in interest in those areas at the moment? Um, certainly around buy-to-lets, yes, because yields in London have been low for a very long time. Um, so I think a savvy investor, um, instead of buying a single unit in, in, in London for a million pounds of a yield of 3.5%, is more likely to go and buy four or five um, no HMO properties in, in, in Nottingham or, or, or Birmingham or, or Cardiff for the same price, but for a much a much better yield. In terms of residential, like I said in my introduction, the market in London South East has been sluggish. That's partly due to the increase in stamp duty. It's partly due to, to, to Brexit fears and the fact that London have, have been overinflated. It shot up massively after 2012 and hasn't really come, come down. Um, in other areas, you know, we, we have seen faster house price increases. And with, if, you, if, you, if we see further investment in things like infrastructure, jobs, transport, we may well see you know, prices rising faster in those areas and people, you know, people leaving London to go back to where they originally came from because the jobs are there. Yeah, you made a good point, actually. Uh, the yield-seeking investor um, with more money going into those areas where the Conservatives have won a few extra seats and, and they want to do some work um, is a prime target for investment. You know, I came across a couple of guys last week with, with a, a business plan to invest in uh, Liverpool and the surrounding areas. Um, you know, their investment plan was between 8 to 12% and the properties that they were looking for were, were matching that. So I think that's a very good point. And, and, and I think the, the, the funds will be diversified across the country this yeah. year um, because, as you mentioned, you know, South East and London were, were heavily invested too uh, in the run-up to the election or the five years presiding the election and uh, and now perhaps there's not much uh, not many crumbs on the table for those investors well, London, so, London has Crossrail and it has HS2 yeah. and HS2 will deliver benefits to Midlands and to the North but also a lot to London there needs to be investment elsewhere and with that investment you'd hope there'll be there'll be more jobs more infrastructure better housing opportunities um, like I say if people are choosing to leave London to go somewhere else because it's no properties cost less it's a a, a lower cost of living that will spread things around. And I can see that being a, a, a key part of um, um, of, of, of a Tories manifesto for the next five years. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's it's a, it's a clear uh, way the market could really turn into uh, diversifying the funds throughout the country. Julian, um, you know, we, we we know that sentiment's returned. Um, people are being very positive. The phone's been uh, ringing nonstop since we've joined uh, back this year. Uh, talk to me about the development opportunities outside London and the sen- sentiment returning back into the market. As Alice has said, you know, if development's happening there, growth will be happening, and you know that'll be followed by funding interest in, in the market. Uh, well, I think just picking up on what Alistair was um, mentioning there about infrastructure. If you follow the main infrastructure that's in you know the larger planning uh, framework, that's where a number of developers are focusing. So you, you know, up the M1, the M11, up through Cambridgeshire, all the way up through Suffolk, Norfolk, up the M40, you know, out of London, along the M4, along the M, uh, down the M3. 
which is spreading out from, from the regions. So, you know, you look at those big infrastructure hubs, you always get investment that, that follows those. So that be that housing, be that, be that commercial uses. Yeah, and that's, we're seeing that happen. You look at Reading, you, know, you look at the Crossrail you know, infrastructure that's gone in. You know, Reading's really, really come forward. Some, some huge schemes there um, that are all being built out at the moment. Um, again, sort of looking at trends, you know, uh, a lot, lot of regional city, city hubs you know, have really changed in the last five years with, with PRS schemes. Um, younger people uh, staying in the cities, in the towns that they were at university with, because they know it, because that you know it's more affordable. You know, uh, wages have increased in those areas, and the jobs are there. So there's been a sort of less of a flight to London, if you like. Um, so these trends have started to play out. But you know, if you look at housing stat, um, the housing stat, yeah, we we still are operating at you know 50% of the numbers that most uh, most councils and boroughs need. So. Again, you know, it, it comes down to uh, how quickly can we grant planning consents? Uh, how, you know, how you know how quickly we can get that through the motion, and then how quickly can we build those houses? And these are issues that have been around for you know for many years, and they're still there. So there's still plenty of demand, and there's plenty of liquidity. And as long as you've got those two key ingredients, then I think you'll see the investment follow. You know, a, a money's priced sensibly, and you'll see that investment follow. Um, you know, through through the back of hopefully what's going to be supported politically. And do you think that will create an enhanced lending appetite uh, throughout 2020 if if a the market uh, shows those opportunities for the investors and residential purchasers, uh, and uh, the appointment of Boris continues to provide an uplift in, in overall sentiment? Yeah, wholeheartedly. And, and again, I support what Alistair said there. It, it, I think you know we need to get to the back end of January and into Feb and see what the whole you know. Brexit scenario is going to look like, um, but I think probably more importantly is what the budget looks like. And if the budget then unlocks investment, you know, inward investment as well as you know, uh, general investment, uh, I think you'll then see a little bit more grease in the marketplace, and you'll see schemes that were questionable. The confident will be there to deliver those, you know, because I think that will unlock value coming in from purchasers um, as well as uh, as well you know and that will give the confidence to the developers to get spade in the ground where before those sites might have been questionable i mean that's all pretty positive you know good sentiment money being spread across the country there's talk of lowering interest rates alistair how uh, how do you think that will affect the trends uh, for lending in in 2020 um interest rates are already very very low you can get a five-year fixed at 1.44 um, I don't think lowering interest rates will make a massive difference because 0.1 point to here is not going to shave a huge amount off people's payments. I think it's more the, the will to borrow, the will to want to do things. Picking up on what June said about PRS schemes, that's a really interesting change in the market. 10, 15, 20 years ago, the, 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 the process was you would you know, you'd buy a one or two bed flat, maybe then you'd, you know, you'd have, have a partner and then you'd move on to a two up, two down. Uh, and then, then maybe... Five, seven years after that, you'd move to a three-bed semi or four-bed semi and move on to you know, five-bed detached if you were lucky enough. And, um, and that's, that's kind of like the, the peak of your buy when you go down from there. That's changed because prices are all over the country are, are, are very high. Um, even in the north and Midlands, I alluded to lower prices previously, it's still above 
average earnings. So people now are looking to go into PRS schemes like a, a plug and play. So they just turn up, no deposit, all bills paid for, Wi-Fi paid for, you know, a really nice, almost like a, a you know, service department type property. And they'll be there for six years because they don't need to worry about a landlord setting because it's PRS. It's owned by an investor, a pension company, whoever, you know, it's not going to move on. It's well serviced. You haven't got to worry about the shower, the boiler. You know, it's, 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 it's well managed. Rent seems to be um, reasonable and affordable, and they're aware of price rises at the start of contract. So instead of going and buying that two-bed flat, um, they're not. They're staying there for six, seven years, and they're saving up to buy the two-up, two-down, or a three-bed. And then they'll stay in that three-bed probably until they're 50 or 60. And that, that does have a big impact on the market because you're seeing less, less movement. So before you'd see maybe in, in 10 years for that, that, that person's lifestyle, you'd see three moves. Now there's just one, which means potentially there's less property available from what we have at the moment, which is why the new schemes that Julian alluded to are so important all over the country to bring housing stock into the market and not just housing stock, but good quality housing stock. You, you don't need a thousand flats in a place where there's already a thousand flats. You know, you need family houses, you need you know, places for people to grow. And I think developers are really responding to that now, understanding that the need is not just to put as many units as possible onto a, onto a plot, it's to make the plot as sellable as possible and as appropriate for that local area. And hopefully, if they're working together properly with the planning authorities, with local councils, with local, with local communities, we'll end up with a sustainable development and people wanting to have development in place, as opposed to a conflict between the planning authority, the council, the local community, and the developer. Because that, in the end, doesn't help anybody. That's interesting. You're absolutely right what you say about interest rates already being on the floor. You know, traditionally, uh, uh, lowering of interest rates would stimulate the, uh, the economy. Um, we are in a in low interest rate environment at the moment, and how much difference would that actually make? We don't know. Um, we are a, in danger. It might be a confidence thing. It might, it, might say, it might signal that there's more money. It might signal a loosening, but... Beyond that, not much else, I don't think. It's a sentiment thing, yes. surely. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a positive move by them. Whether that will have a huge effect, it could even also create a, a, a concept of, of cheap money being the norm, which, again, is another dangerous caveat, which, you know, shows a double-edged sword. But any last thoughts on that, Julian, at all? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you look at where we've been since 2009, you know, we've been in a... We've, We've been what 10 11 years now and in, in a what many would class unnormal times but is this now the new normal that's the question you know lots of people are saying oh well, we need to get back to higher interest rates but you know i guess the question is 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 do we and as you know we've been to a number of uh, events recently where you know many analysts are saying well the norm's probably a minor fluctuation from where we are and actually now is a, is a, is a flat line for a period of time. The only thing I'll say you know, on that is, you know, my view would be is that, well, we're in, a, we're in a deflationary period at the moment. So without inflation showing up, and this is you know, global, then, um, then interest rates are gonna struggle to go much higher from here. And there's probably a little bit more pressure for them to be actually, probably, you know, if we thought some of those geopolitical events take off, maybe for a minor minor haircut on those so i think just watch the central banks around the world but you know i, I i'm pretty confident we we're probably pretty static on on where we are 
I think that's a good uh, good question to end the podcast on, gentlemen. Is are we in the new norm? Um, as you say, central banks around the world are all relatively low. Uh, the main ones are, that we normally consider and look for. Um, but I appreciate both of your contributions. Thank you very much. And I'll probably invite you back to answer the question, is this the new norm as well posed by Julian? Thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Arkham Co podcast. I was joined by Julian King and Alistair Hargreaves. I look forward to speaking to you all again in 2020. Have a good year and let's see what the market brings. Thank you so much for listening to the Arkham to the uh, start again. <laughs> <laughs>